Great Expectations is part of the Earth 2 network of podcasts. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. John, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yeah. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Welcome to the all-new, all-different, giant-sized Christmas pod number one. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Sean. This is our Christmas spectacular. Merry Christmas, Sean. Merry Christmas to you, Jerry. We're here tonight in front of my uh, ridiculously expensive Christmas tree. Ridiculous. The, not You're not saying the tree was expensive. The electric bill that I just got, that I just showed Jerry, was really expensive. What makes it so expensive? It's $267 for a month just because of my fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> right, but, but what is it about this tree that makes it, it so expensive? It has 5,000 lights on it. Yeah, I can see that. It's a fire hazard. It's uh, It's like Times Square in here. It is. Only brighter. I don't even have to turn on any other lights in my house or the heat. <laughs> the That's right. Day, the other day I went to turn up the heat, and I was like, holy shit. And all of a sudden I realized that the second I turn on the tree, the heat starts to rise in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I can it. get a fucking tan while we're sitting here. I can't. I, I can't get a tan anywhere, though. <laughs> as... Just get more freckles. Yeah. My mom called them angel kisses. Aww. She's dead now. Yeah. Um... God rest her soul. So, this is part of the ambush. Uh-oh. The great Baron Strucker on Twitter... Oh, fuck. ...made me... <laughs> ...this wonderful Christmas ornament. <laughs> I'll, uh, I should probably tweet a picture of this. It is Jerry and I done up as Heat Miser and Snow Miser in the back. It says, Hail, 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 Mighty Hydra. I've already got a picture of it queued up on my phone, don't you? Okay. Now, this is a thing of beauty. Yes, it is. And you should be seriously jealous that he didn't make it for you. I'm so jealous that he didn't make it for me. Now, he told me to tell you. See, the Baron entered a Christmas, uh, Halloween contest at our comic, local <laughs> comic shop, and he had a great Chuck Norris costume. And he was beat out because at the very last fucking minute, Jerry showed up with his little daughter dressed up as Catwoman, and she took home the grand prize. So, the Baron said, you can have this if you're willing to give up her prize and forfeit and give it to him. I am willing to burn it just to watch it burn in front of him. Then you can't get to Christmas. Aww. You lose, Jerry. You all right all right you win i'll consider it (laughs) all right they told me that they wouldn't accept it if it came to the store in the hands of anyone other than my sweet daughter yeah they Mm -hmm. refused to allow you business Mm -hmm. 
I got chastised today while I was in the shop for even doing a podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, since I know that everybody in that store listens to this show, I will say nothing but nice things about they them. They do. I got to tweet this out. I love so those guys. Wanna, you might want to pause this for a second. Pause. Don Cardenas, former guest. <laughs> Alumnus of the show. <laughs> would like us to reenact the Hole and Oats Christmas video. Only if it has tons of sex, Don. Only if it has tons of sex. <laughs> Put the phone down. Okay, sorry. It's difficult to... Uh, I will it. keep mine out, though, because my comics are on it. Which is lame. See, I have these out. Smell that dead tree. But Jerry's all, oh, look at my classy-ass shit. Look at my phone. What can I say, man? My comics were buried underneath 12,000 other comics. They were hard to get to. I'm just an organized motherfucker. Sure, that's what it is. It's time to prep. That's right. You got nothing but time. I want you to know that I poisoned that hot well, chocolate you're drinking. Then right I've now. had a lot of poison because this is like three gallons of hot chocolate. This is a sweet cup. It is. It's got Spider Man and Wolverine and. The thing? And it's got Captain America inside of it. Holy shit. Yeah. So you can pretend to be the Red Skull at some point and drown him in hot chocolate, but you gotta say... I drank Captain America! Alright, anyways, we're off topic. So in this special edition of the GX Pod, we are going to discuss our favorite X-Men X-Miss issues, X-Puns for the win, and also we're going to discuss some of our favorite childhood memories of getting toys and stuff for Christmas, or comics for Christmas... So I don't know, Jerry, what do you want to start off with? Well, maybe we better do the comics first in case we run out of time. Fuck that, I really want to talk about toys. First up, we're going to discuss the classic X-Men number 98, which we kind of covered a little bit in number three, which eventually after this, I'm going to get back to the reread because I really miss it. Yeah, All this bouncing around shit is really because I'm like, what the fuck? So we'll get back into it. Fuck guests. Don Cardenas broke us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck that guy. So since we already talked about this one, this opens up... With them at Times Square. Wrong. What? Right. Rockefeller Center. There you go. Yeah. It opens up with them at Rockefeller Center. It's okay. We're from Detroit. What do we know about no. the city? Yeah. When I, because I, I drove overnight once because when Secret Invasion number eight came out, I wanted to buy it in New York and I wanted to read it where the final battle was happening. Which, <laughs> nerd. Oh yeah, I'm the biggest nerd. Sorry, and Bendis man. totally screwed me because I was like, "There's going to be a big fucking battle in Central Park. I'm going to read it in Central Park. It's awesome." And Secret Invasion was the one that had the end. Like they told you what happened, they didn't actually show you what happened. Right. Rah, 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 rah. So you have to know the rules to break the rules, Sean. So when I showed up to the first toll getting into New York, I stopped and I asked the guy where downtown was. Because I was trying to get to Rockefeller. 
And he was like, what are you talking about? What the fuck is downtown? <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. But I found my comic book. Well, my good. first time stepping into Midtown Comics, and I was like, oh, it ranks right up there with like the first time I ever saw boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Or the first time you ever went to Back to the Past yes. comics in scenic Redford, Michigan. It's, it is true. I yeah. do love that store more than Midtown. Yeah. It's got ambiance. Midtown's all flash. It's got right? Dennis McDermott. It does. Wait till you see Dennis's Christmas ornament. Holy shit. It's hilarious. <laughs> So, this is, uh, you know, only four-ish. Oh, hey, check it out. Uh, right on the first page, a little Easter egg. You got Nick Fury and, what is it, Contessa? Contessa de Rebecca de Mornay. Contessa de Rebecca de Mornay. Out on a, her name. Out on a date. Oh, there's all kinds of Easter eggs. In oh, yeah, you turn the page and there's Stanley and Jack Kirby griping about Claremont doing a better job than them. About what a randy bastard he is with all this making out going on is this the first issue where wolverine is out of uniform like with his mask off is that right i i, I have no idea he's got a wicked widow's peak going on he does on page two he looks like at mullins is a jerk because not only does he say i got no use for christmas which is also something mullins says to me all the time he's got the misfits devil lock going on <laughs> he does that thing is almost a tri-brow it's spectacular. I also like in this issue where Banshee, like everybody's getting together for Christmas, and then within like 30 seconds, everybody's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. I'm going to do my own thing. And Banshee's like, I'm taking Moira McTaggart out. Fuck you, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Charles never seems to bat an eye at this. I mean, they're former lovers, but they, they seem to be very comfortable being friends and watching their students bang away at each other. I don't know. I think it's cool, man. We're talking a lot about banging. Well, it's what the people want to hear. Have you seen Moira McTiger? Come on. Come on, man. Yes. I love the fact that every episode you talk I about at least. I had a crush on her when I was <laughs> Yes! Is that what you were waiting for? There it is! <laughs> I have a crush on her now. I like the Scottish ladies. You know, I spent a year living in Scotland. Really? That's a true story. Whoa. I did in college. Aberdeen. That is crazy. Yeah. Here I was just thinking you were some bastard who got his girlfriend knocked up the first time he ever undressed her. Well, and you got cool. all this life experience. <laughs> Look at me for making assumptions. Hey. So yeah, we got Lee and Kirby. I know that the um you know, the Sentinels come back, which is I believe it, this is the first time that any of the all new, all different giant size X Men have had to deal with the Sentinels, so that's pretty exciting. You get some badass storm stuff going on. I'm sure Slurmo will love that. I'm sure he will. As long as she doesn't talk, she's probably okay for him, I would think. So, uh, this issue features the infamous Jean Grey black dress. No back black dress. It's infamous? It is. It's infamous if you were. Uh... A preteen. A reader of <laughs> X Factor number one or in the Fantastic Four and Avengers issues that led up to it when they, they find her at the bottom of the Hudson River, unearth her. Yeah. And she's still wearing that black dress all in tatters. I don't have much to say about this one other than what we've already covered in the other one. Yeah. I think uh, as far as Christmas goes, the fact that they all go down to celebrate Christmas together and then immediately split up and then 
get fucked by the Sentinels, flown out into space, and Gene dies and is reborn. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Merry Christmas, kids. I think the theme of all of these Christmas specials is that they seem to be some of the most unhappy times for the X-Men. So let's have a moment of silence for the X-Men now that Christmas is approaching because we know something really shitty is about to happen. They're probably not even going to recognize Christmas. Dave Coulier, that shit. No, I mean, it is a great Christmas issue. Mostly because of what it sets up. It sets up... I mean, it's the very first beginning steps of the Phoenix Saga. Saga? Saga. 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 This ain't going well, Jerry. Dude, this is fine. Okay. Oh, that's right, you're an... There's some awesome Kirby crackle in this issue. That is... Gene and with Professor X, and it's all these cool, like... I want you to explain something to me, science guy. looking colors that you never see in a book. I think the colors in this issue are awesome. Page four. Panel four. Panel four. That panel. Yeah. Okay. Cyclops battling the Sentinels. He's wearing his old ruby quartz glasses. And they flip up. Is there nothing under... Like, do they flip up and there's no, like, clear glass? It's not like he's wearing, like, the cool lady shades where you can clip on? Uh... I, I think, think he's just, going with the MLB visor. Are they, uh, I think I think he's an outfielder. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. That was what I took away Which from this issue. I was like, further deepens my suspicion that he might also be a switch hitter. Oh, you bastard! If you know what I mean. Last episode was fucking Don going after Gambit. Now you going after Cyclops? I'll let you go after Cyclops. Oh, I will with a fury. So yeah. This is beautiful. I did not appreciate Cockham enough as a kid. He was awesome. He was. But in a moment, we're going to discuss the man who defined the X-Men. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Up next on the Christmas pod is Uncanny X-Men number 119 by Chris Claremont. John Byrne and Terry Austin. And this issue is amazing. This issue has been read for the first time by me. I never read this one. I completely forgot that this was a Christmas issue. I had to go and like search out what specific ones because I could remember most of them, but I didn't want to miss any classics. And this one, I am so happy that it was on that list. Because, man, John Byrne is the definitive X-Men artist. Unless you're like me, and you now think that Dave Cockrum might be giving him a run for the money from the grave. Wrong. Look at that Colossus. Gets his ass handed to him by Moses Magnum. Look at it, Jerry. Look at it. No, you're right, you're right. Byrne is better. 
If you go back to X-Men 98 and look at John Byrne's Cyclops when he's in his civilian clothes, he looks like he's the Grim Reaper. Or the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. Everybody looks like they're 60. Because 60 is really old, just so you know. 60 is old. Did you see my tweet today about how my coat smelled like old people? No. (laughs) I went to put it on, I was like, why the hell does my coat smell like old people? And I was like, fuck. It's because I'm old. That really depressed me. I'm sorry. I can't believe that you think Cockrum is better than Byrne. Byrne is the X-Men, dude. I... All I'm saying... Look at your goddess right there. All I'm saying is it's closer than I thought. That's all I'm saying. Storm looks really, really good, man. But... Colossus looks I good. Think, Nightcrawler I think Storm looks might good. be one that, Byrne, that Cockrum does better. There's some great teamwork in this issue. One Cyclops thing I really and... dig is the way Nightcrawler crawls into that shadow. Yeah. He, he's They're invading Moses. Well, do we want to say what's going on? How about if we start there? Yeah. So they're, Japan's been attacked by this Moses Magnum dude who was last seen in Iron Fist? What was it? He was last seen. Giant. Uh, giant size Spider Man number five and Power Man annual number one. Right. Yeah, so he attacks Japan and he's like, fuck you, Japan. Give me some shit or I'm going to sink the entire island. And the X Men are like, hell no, nah, you're not going to sink this That's island. That's some real supervillain shit. It is some supervillain shit. And he's got. I think his superpower is his receding hairline. Because it is powerful. You're really in, like, for a bald dude, you're really into people's hair. <laughs> <laughs> I notice people's hair. Except you, I will never compliment your big, stupid hair. <laughs> it's like he makes it taller when he knows I'm coming over. I do. <laughs> oh, Jerry's coming. I better make it taller and bigger. I better get it as Robert Smith as I possibly can. <laughs> Alright, so say something about this stupid issue. No, I I just... I think that the art's fantastic on it. I think that it's... uh, I mean, I'm pumped up because this issue actually has... Because they're in Japan, Sunfire's in it, so... Which is awesome. Call back to issue number three when Sunfire was like, Hey, fuck you guys, I'm out. Suddenly he's back in because, whoa, Japan's in trouble, so Sunfire's got to show up now. Yeah. And Cyclops devises a plan where they're going to go underwater into the island, so they're burrowing through the Earth's crust. Cyclops is blasting the holy hell out of the ground while Sunfire's burning it up on the sides. Colossus is behind them to help make sure they're out of trouble. It's awesome. They tunnel up through Moses' base. <laughs> the, pl- the plan is going perfectly. They reach the base, Colossus climbs out, and... Whammo. <laughs> Moses Magnum blasts the shit out of him <laughs> before he can even get out of the hole. I <laughs> love, like, hey guys, I fly. I love the fact that it's like whack-a-mole, like poor Peter Rasputin just like sticks his head up out of this thing and Moses Magnum just clobbers him. <laughs> Whammo. There's nothing better. But it's awesome because this is a great moment for Colossus because at this point he's like, I'm supposed to be the strongest X-Man. And lately, I've been doing nothing. And he's like, that tears it. I'm kicking some ass. I'm the strong guy. I'm going to start acting like Yeah. It's like, I spit on your grave, James Proudstar. (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you tough. (laughs) 
I'm not going to kill myself over it, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. In a hundred issues, I'm going to break a motherfucker's neck. Exactly. This is is where it all starts. If Moses Magnum hadn't been such an asshole to whack-a-mold him, he probably wouldn't have killed that dude. Probably not, but he's got to prove himself now. So it's the big showdown. The big battle. Moses Magnum, he's like, I could beat the shit out of you, but instead I'm going to have these mandroids come in. Because John Byrne loves drawing mandroids. He does. These are gold mandroids. A few more issues, we're going to see some cool pink mandroids, or whatever the fuck they were. They were awesome. Yeah. That's what they were. I, I dug them when I thought that they just attacked that one time when Kitty Pride was at the malt shop or whatever. Yeah. But it's a classic. Now, now that I've read this and I see that they show up in every issue that Byrne draws, they're less cool to me. You're just doing this to me on purpose. <laughs> no, I really did like them. It's like you guys have found my weaknesses. You're like, let's talk shit about Gambit, let's talk shit about Cyclops, and now we're going after John Byrne. That one's for Doug Ramsey. Fuck Doug Ramsey. You know who doesn't show up in any Christmas issues? Doug Ramsey, because he's fucking dead. <laughs> Yeah, he should have stayed dead, too. I I mean, for the record, I'm glad the dude died. I thought he sucked, and I was like, it's about time he's dead. It was going to happen eventually. But still, that issue was fucking terrible. Someday you'll read the New Mutants and you'll see how bad it was. You mean how bad Doug Ramsey was? Well, we all know he was terrible. Except when he was with Warlock. So... So Moses Magnum is doing his super villainy type thing, right? And who comes up and saves the day? Who? Sean Cassidy. Hell yeah. The Banshee. The Banshee. Or at least he thought he was going to be saving the day. They got into an epic struggle of power against power. And Sean Cassidy is really blowing as hard as he can blow. Cheeks puffed out. Tongue stuck out. Everyone's covering their ears. Colossus, Colossus. Colossus is doing the old index fingers into his ear canals. Cockrum couldn't draw that shit. No, he, he could never draw that. It's awesome, too, because he somehow manages to get six headshots across the page. That was pretty sweet. This is a sweet layout. It is. This is a great issue. And, uh, yeah, so Banshee blows up the fucking island. And it's a one and done, too. So then Banshee, he winds up, uh, what is his power burnout because of this? Like he burns uses... out his power and nearly dies, right? And he's yeah. in the hospital for three days? Yeah. And who comes to visit him while he's in the hospital? Nobody. Nobody. What the fuck is that? That's why I relate to him. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, he's my favorite. Sean's about to get half his teeth pulled out, and I am not going to come visit him. You're not. I'm going to be on some sweet drugs. <laughs> So what else is new? (laughs) (laughs) Touche, motherfucker. (laughs) Touche. So Banshee's coming home, feeling sorry for himself. I thought... And he's really hammering home here what the series is all about. The X-Men aren't a team. We're a family. And I really thought my family would be there for me. And I can't believe they never showed up. And he says... He doesn't say anything, Jerry. His voice is blown out. His voice is blown (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, But there's thought bubbles galore 
on this page, which Good. some people I are miss. appealing. I miss him. And uh, he's thinking to himself that uh, being away from them reminds him of how lonely it was before he found this new family when he was all alone. And, and then he's like, damn it, they should have been here. And he's like, I wonder if I can get a call through to Moira, because she is on his mind. And uh, he walks in, and there's a huge banner. It says, Welcome back, Sean. Merry Christmas. I gotta go make this banner for my Sean. And there's the entire X-Men team chilling out. Drinking eggnog, some hot chocolate. Oh, and who's that in the back? It's it's Logan-san hanging out with Mariko. Yep. Or is that Yukio? It's Mariko. I'm not going to lie. In that panel, she looks like Sunfire. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, that is Sunfire. It is? Okay. Cut that. No, I don't know, man. It's Mariko, because then she just walks down there and he's like, oh, Mariko, don't go. She's all alone. That's later. She shows up later. Oh, that is Sunfire. Okay. Yeah, that's Sunfire. Mariko's got a strong chin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we're going to have to fix that somehow. Who's that in the background? Nobody. It's Sunfire. It's Sunfire! Oh, now he wants to stick around now that he owes them something. Jerk. Seriously, this is a great one and done issue. I mean, there's a there's kind of a little epilogue at the very end, which I believe leads into the Proteus storyline, which is also a great two-parter, because this was back in the day when great stories could be told in one or two issues and not have to be done for the trade you know I thought I remembered somebody recently mentioning this scene this epilogue on the EOC forum or something and saying that it was a, jo- a drop story thread but I mean that's clearly Proteus that he's yeah no he stands right in front of the mute next door yeah last mistake he'll ever make yep so how does this Christmas end oh my god he doesn't even have time to scream Merry Christmas, asshole. Yeah, but the, Marvel Comics. But the X Men don't know that they're busy drinking eggnog and hot chocolate, hanging out. It's awesome. It is awesome. Seriously, Uncanny X Men number one nineteen. This is a great issue. It's probably the best issue we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, it's got a Cockrum cover though. Oh come on! You don't have to hate Cockrum. I'm just kidding. Right? I like Cockrum. I'm just saying that Burn is better. I will concede that Burn is better. Oh. You're giving way I, too easily. I'm making Cockrum number two. Okay. I'm making him my number two. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know who my number three would be. I think as a kid... Oh, Jim I Lee? I think it would probably be Silvestri over at Lee. Oh, yeah. That was the... T- what about your Romita Jr. love? Well, I... Yeah. But... Uh, I think that's mostly sentimental. I think okay. somebody without that attachment probably wouldn't look at most of it as being very good. I understand. I don't know. What do you think of the Ramita run? I liked it. It's not very Christmassy. No, it's not. Stay on task. Yeah.
Sean, you are like a little child on Christmas Eve. All you can think about is what toys you're going to get. Yeah. What toys we can talk about. True. You want to talk about toys? I do. I want to talk about Christmas toys. Let's talk about some of your favorite Christmases as a child. Because I, I assume that your best Christmases were as a child. I know mine were. Yeah. No, I, um... I had underneath my stair in my basement stairs, I had built, when I got into the X-Men, I had built an Xavier's mansion, and I had bookshelves under there that were like shorter bookshelves, and I had, um, I had like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers base playset, which had like the big, I can't even remember the big headed guy's name, but basically I had that base... And I had, like, a Jurassic Park base, which I built into a lab. And my grandpa had, like, old car fuses, like, little tiny car fuses, you know. And so they looked like like test tubes or, like, the ooze containers that held, like, the ooze from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I had, like, a lab set up. And I went, and my sisters are all much older than me. And so I took all of their dollhouse furniture, and I built every one of my X-Men characters individual rooms, and I would take my old Marvel cards, and I would build little frames out of, like, paper, like, I'd get construction paper, and I'd make frames, so in the hallways, there were, like, (laughs) hanging team pictures, (laughs) okay? And so this one year, when my dad was, uh, when my dad was putting up the Christmas tree, I decided that I would build... A hanger for my because like there were slots in the stairs so like you could kind of see in there and so I took a bunch of yarn and I took a bunch of uh comic book box tops like long box tops and I cut off the edges so it was like a long board you know just like the flat board and I punched holes in them hung them with the yarn from like the ceiling of the stairs and I built like a runway and like an upper level for it and along the bottom of it I poked holes with a hole punch and I duct taped white blinking Christmas lights so that they would blink as though it was like the plane was coming into land or it was taken off this is a I wish I I'm so upset that like I never took pictures of it cause I mean this thing I built a fucking danger room I had built a like a big cardboard um, Blackbird jet with a bunch of seats because like the Blackbird jet that they sold us as kids like totally sucked it had room for like two characters in it it was lame but I wanted like a big ass one and I remember I built a jail cell for Sabretooth because I was reading comic books at the time after Age of Apocalypse when like his he was locked up in the danger room so I had that and then when the Generation X toys came out they moved into the mansion and I built them all little rooms I had a refrigerator and a kitchen and little beer cans for Wolverine huh. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that sounds pretty good. Oh, I'm so bummed that I don't have pictures of it though, but it was great. Well, I'm sure given your OCD, it was probably perfect. And now as an adult, I bet yeah, I could build an even better one. Well, you probably should. Who needs a bedroom? I need a bedroom. I don't. Can I have a bedroom? <laughs> you can. There's a spare bedroom. <laughs> So that was my absolute favorite thing that I had, was I had built this elaborate Xavier's mansion. And I remember I started it because, like, they had this contest in Wizard where it was, like, build a diorama, and you could, like, win a $50 gift certificate or something. And I remember someone had, like, recreated the shot of from Giant Size X-Men number one where they're kind of, like, all 
kind of like lined up along the stairs in the mansion. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I was like, that is amazing. And I remember there was this like Spider-Man magazine that was coming out and it was, someone was like taking like pictures of toys, but they were doing it like, obviously like it was really good photography where it was like they, they, I think they built like a street out of an ironing board and did lights and had little cars. But like the perspective was to show like, Spider-Man is big, but the car is really tiny. And I was like, I can fucking do that. <laughs> and, so, and my friend Chris, who was my, my best friend when I was a little kid, who I've talked about before on the podcast, um, we would, in the wintertime, we would build these, like, elaborate, elaborate stories and then kind of play them out. Like, we built a whole continuity for our toys. And uh, he was really big into Cable, and he was really big into X-Force. And I was more of an X-Men guy. So we worked it out where he built ship with Gray Mulkin in his closet and he had an X Force base and I had the X Mansion and we would like call each other every day and we would match up our storylines. Like if, if something happened to like Archangel and his storyline, I couldn't use Archangel until we figured it out. Wow. It was awesome. I'm a super nerd. Pretty much the nerdiest person ever. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to play with it. So a long time so before I, I stories like before I felt the touch of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it? Thirty-two years now. Uh, yep, going <laughs> going strong. <laughs> yeah, you know I don't have a single Christmas memory that involves a comic book. Really? The closest I come is uh, two years ago. I had, had, years before, asked my wife for for Christmas. I said I wanted some stock in Marvel. Nice. And, uh, you know, post-bankruptcy, they were solvent again, and it seemed like something I wanted. And uh, she never gave it to me. And then Disney bought them, so there was no more Mar- Marvel stock. But she uh, she bought me some stock certificates, one from pre-bankruptcy and one from post-bankruptcy and got them framed for me and they hang in the basement that's awesome but that is the closest i've ever come to a comic book related christmas you should take a picture of those and post them maybe i will you should maybe i will it's awesome i have have a couple more like i when i was probably around the same time that i was like building that x-mansion um I think the hard toy to get at the time was, like, Beast from the, you know. And uh, I remember the first comic show I ever went to was at Domino's. Because he was limited or because yeah. he was popular? Yeah, I, I think it was because it was limited. And uh, not that Beast isn't popular, but I just, I remember, like, getting Rogue was a big like, deal. Like to a box would have three Jubilees and one Beast. There wasn't a Jubilee. I was really bummed. Until Generation X, there wasn't a Jubilee. I was really bummed about it. Um, so... This one particular year, we we stopped at a uh, we stopped at my local comic shop, and we were um, my mom was taking me and Chris out with like our church youth group to uh, go Christmas caroling, and I remember like stopping at the comic book store first, and I bought that Beast toy, and it was the greatest thing ever. And then when we went caroling, so we're in this place, okay, we're in like a nursing home caroling. And there's this old woman who is sitting at a table and she's fucking banging a spoon against the table the entire time that we're singing. Okay, not... And not like she's banging a spoon in rhythm, okay? She's just methodically banging the spoon, okay? Like rocking back and forth. And I'm a little kid, 
and it was just bizarre to me and it kind of made me somewhat sad and then we started singing silent night and i shit you not jerry i will remember this for the rest of my life she stopped put the fucking spoon down sang it word for word okay the second that it was done went back to the fucking spoon wow it was awesome like, it must have triggered some type of memory. Like, I'm going to be old in a nurse, nursing home, and somebody's going to walk in, they're going to be like, Jerry, Jerry, and I'm going to have a flashback to this, and everything's <laughs> going to be okay. <laughs> You'll be normal. Exactly. Yeah. You're my constant. Wow. Lost reference. Pressure. For the win. Yeah. Also, for Don, I need to tell him that the year that the they released the Maverick toy, I had, like, a notebook that I would write in every day, like a journal or whatever, and it must have looked like Kevin Spacey's notebooks in Seven. And it was just Maverick, Maverick, Maverick. Because that's all I wanted for Christmas was this Maverick toy. Because I thought it was going to be the cool new thing. And he was not. It's never too late. The it's right true. writer with the right kind of commitment. Yeah. They tried again at Wolverine Origins, right? And then didn't really go. Anywhere. Yeah, no. But no... Now he just looks stupid. He looks like a 90s character. Yeah. That X-Men base, man. So awesome. It's not too late. You've got a basement. You could do it. I do. You could do it right here in the living room. I could. My parents used to always get pissed at me for playing on the Christmas tree. Yeah. I'm always having to chase my kids out of there. Yeah, don't... Just let them have it. (laughs) Well, we try to put all their crappy ornaments that they made at school and stuff down there. I can't wait. I can't wait till they hear this. (laughs) They're never going to hear this. But, uh, you know, I mean like the homemade stuff that they made themselves. You mean the stuff that Ashley's put all over our tree? Yes. Oh my God. That's going to give me nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Podcasting for two, Sean. Sorry. Uh, Um, when I was putting up my Christmas tree, my girlfriend got all excited because she saw her baby's first Christmas ornament and when she put it on the tree I read the year and it was when I was in the third grade <laughs> Yeah, and it made me feel terrible cool. cut this out <laughs> Yes. Uh, where do we go from here well I don't you don't have very many happy childhood memories Jerry I have plenty of childhood memories I didn't you say that you got a great toys didn't you say that you got comic related didn't you say that you got a ROM toy Oh, I forgot. Oh, and I forgot another one. I do have one that was actually mine. Fucking A. Uh, but I'll, first I'll start with that ROM. My older brother, one of the two who collected comics and got me into comics, got the the legendary ROM toy, which I think predated the comic. I don't remember for sure. But it is the shittiest toy. Looking at it now, it is the shittiest toy. But back then, in 1977 or 78 or whatever it was, this thing had glowing LED eyes. That's awesome. And it made, like, Darth Vader breathing sounds and jetpack sounds. And it had three different guns it could hold and two points of articulation. (laughs) It seemed really cool at the time, but now he just looks like a... Now he just looks like crap. So, uh, but that reminded me that the year that they got that, they also got the Micronauts Battle Cruiser and a whole shit ton of Micronauts toys that I thought were the coolest things ever. And so the next year, 
by the time the Micronauts weren't popular anymore, I begged for Micronauts toys. And they got me this uh, space station thing that was like a, like you snap all the pieces together. It was all flexible plastic and really complicated and really hard for a six-year-old kid to put together on his own. So it kind of sucked <laughs> for me. But uh, it also never appeared in the comic book, which broke uh-huh. my heart because that battle cruiser that they got was featured heavily in the first few issues. And so I thought that was really cool, but my thing never showed up in comics. And then all the figures I got, none of those were ever in the comics. Because all the cool ones were already last year's toys, and they didn't even make them anymore. And or were too expensive. But at least you... At least you got some of them. Yeah. I got tons of other cool shit that that was cool. Yeah, I I lucked out because I was the right age. At the right time. Yeah. Like, being a a young kid in, like, the early 90s, I hit that, like... I hit, like, the second... Because I remember getting into comics right after the first wave of X-Men toys came out for Toy Biz. So I got the second one, where they were basically like, we're gonna fucking do a toy of everyone. Like, I remember getting Tusk. (laughs) And I have a Tusk toy. I still have all of these, just so you know. I refuse to give them up. That's fine. Um... Which, by the way, I have a great action figure of a character that we're going to talk about in two more issues. Which Sweet. is my favorite X-Men Christmas issue. Are you missing the comic talk? Should we get back to it? I think we should. Let's get back to it. Um, it I believe that Andrea Shackling just recorded a song for us called God Rest Ye Merry Nightcrawler. And she tweeted it at us. And she's actually got a really good voice. So, you might want to take that and... uh place it in? Yeah. I'll do it. God rest ye merry night crawler, let heaven be your fate. God rest but you be back eventually, no devil's weight. Eventually you'll be alive and as a fan that's great. Eventually you'll be alive and as a fan that's great. Good characters always come back, always come back. Good characters always come back. Sean, I am just overcome with the Christmas spirit. Sitting here in front of your tree, I'm just all warm and tingly, and not in the usual way. This is like the special December 24th, Christmas Eve. The bots put the Christmas presents out because the kids are sacked out, sound asleep. They don't know how awesome this Christmas is going to be. And I can't wait for them to wake up so they can open the stuff. That's how I feel inside right now. Because I know what's coming up next. X-Men number 143. Merry Christmas, X-Men. It even says it right on the cover. There's a big tree. Sprite. And an Agare demon. Nothing says happy holidays. <laughs> Like the only Jewish sex man getting chased around on Christmas Eve by a demon. Well, if she wasn't such a humbug, she could have gone out with them. <laughs> no, I'm going to stay home and study. Our story begins with a recap of a previous encounter. Yes. From X-Men 96. Yes. When Storm has a battle with one of these demons and destroys the the Karn yeah Karn that was probably Slurmo's favorite episode issue you think so Storm 
Yeah. Dude loves Storm. She whips some ass. So then you see all the seasons. There's a cool panel structure where all the seasons change. And you see one of the demons crawl out. So awesome. It's a really awesome page. And I it is. Because when I read it on my phone, uh, it split it. Yeah. I didn't get the whole thing right away, so I didn't realize that that was going on going on on the bottom panel. Uh, well, once I figured it out, it was really cool. You know, rereading this issue, one of the things that struck me is uh, there's this couple kind of just walking around the woods, you know, newly in love, and they're running around in the snow. And it's awesome. And they get attacked by the Nogari demon and killed. And reading this as a kid, it was like, I was of the G.I. Joe school, where like, we're going to shoot a million lasers, but never hit a target, and everybody that gets blown up in a plane has a parachute, and everybody's fine. And so rereading some of these, like, when I see this poor couple, like, I'm not Wolverine, right? I'm not Cyclops. In this story, I don't have any mutant powers. I'd be the dumb schmuck who's like, I'm going to go into the woods and cut down a Christmas tree, and I get murdered by a fucking demon. Yeah. And not gently. Yeah, not at all. It's uh, it's a beautiful panel, though. <laughs> Strangely, they're silhouetted by the moon, a yeah. red moon. And, it's uh, a really creepy way to start a. And look at the title page of this man. Yeah, this is probably the most effed up Christmas issue. Yeah, that is a mess. Uh, nice that work, is a burn. Rude looking demon. Yeah, isn't it? But yeah, it's it's messed up. And then to make it worse, Professor X is is testing Kitty on how to start the ignition sequence for the Blackbird. Rereading all of this stuff, man. I got mixed feelings about Xavier. Sometimes that dude's a huge cock. He is. He is. And and that's why it's important that you go back and do these rereads every once in a while. Because He's... like me, I get in my head that he was the saint. Right. You know, and people turned him into a jerk. And that, I think there's, out that's not really true. I think they softened him up a lot in the, in the 90s around the time of the cartoon. Yeah? Yeah. Well, because when I go see, back and I look at this. I never read any of that, though. Yeah. So. There's a lot of, like, post-event issues. Like, there's one in particular after Executioner's Song, which is one of my favorites, and it's like him hanging out with Jubilee. And. I always thought that those issues were good to kind of show the softer side of it. And then, so, everybody's getting ready to go out. And Nightcrawler teleports in above Mariko and drops some mistletoe down and kisses her on the cheek. And Wolverine goes all dickhead on him. Uh, he, tries killing him. He tries to kill him. <laughs> he tries to slice his guts out right in the middle of the living room. Yeah, you clearly... It's okay. It's okay for Logan to constantly try and get between Scott and Gene. That's okay. Because he's Logan. But fuck Nightcrawler. Yeah. And those two are friends by now. Yeah. This isn't like X-Men 98 where they barely know each other because they've only been on the team for a couple of months. This is well into the run. Yeah. You've dealt with the Dark Phoenix saga. They dealt with Days of Future Past. I mean, this is the issue directly after Days of Future Past. Right. No mention of that. No. Which is interesting. Right. But, yeah, I, it's, I mean, I think that that scene serves a purpose, though, because it reminds you and it reminds Logan that he hasn't been able to put his violent past behind him yet. 
even though he thought he had been able to put it in a box, he realizes just how close to the surface all that stuff still is. And then he was just kind of kidding himself, thinking that he had moved beyond it. The thing that that's that's the weirdest to me is that Mariko like, Seems doesn't un- say yeah. anything. She's like, "Okay, let's go have dinner at the whatever the pizza house or whatever." <laughs> I don't know where they're going. Oh, pizza house! We gotta go to pizza house one yeah, day, Jerry. Let's go get some pizza house. You know, it's stupid that we work like 15 minutes apart from each other and we've never gone and gotten lunch. Really? That is stupid. I didn't know you worked that close to me. Well, it's, I mean, it might be more like 20, but it's, uh... You know what the problem is? I can't leave my parking space. Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, somebody will snatch it up and I'll be screwed up to come and get me, and that would suck. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> so, we'll call each other and eat Pizza House together. <laughs> Let's not explain the whole issue for him. I want people to read these. They're classic. Uh, Kitty kisses Peter. She does. Under the mistletoe. And he blushes so hard he looks like he got punched in the face by Mike Tyson. (laughs) What else is important in this issue? Kitty gets a workout in the danger room. And then steps on a huge pile of green boogers in the hallway. She's like, WTF, OMG, Brian Wood, LOL. Brian Wood. <laughs> That's how he has her talk. How oh, He's I'm... a headmistress of a school, and she's all OMG all the time. Man, that alien looks freaky. Yeah, he's nasty. Demon, sorry. He's some kind of demon alien. So it chases her through the house, and no matter where she runs or what she phases through, she just can't ditch the thing. And it's an intense chase. It is. And they do another really cool silhouette of the demon. It's fucking awesome. But she gets the better of it. Oh, and she winds up in the hangar. She winds up in the hangar, and she gets an idea. If I can just remember how to do that ignition sequence that the professor was so dead set on me learning just 20 minutes ago. Foreshadowing. The hangar which I built in my little ex-mansion. Hell yeah. And she successfully executes the ignition sequence, vaporizing the shit Okay, the but the part that really threw me, okay, at the end of this issue when everybody comes home and they're like, what's happening, Kitty? And she's like, oh, not much. The house is fucking destroyed. She cops to it. She does eventually, but I mean, there's this like moment where it's like, she cops to the fact that like, Storm's stuff is fucked up because the demon broke through in her place so all her plants are dead in her attic room. And her parent, Xavier brings her parents back. No, she says in the process we kind of wrecked the oh, danger yeah. room. Wrecked the danger room and the blackbird and the hangar and a lot of I'm just house. shocked that none of them <laughs> noticed that like parts of the house were a smoking crater. Now, one of the things that I do want to bring up is when I was reading the letters pages, there's a letter to the editor where a fan explains that they've been a complete... They have a complete collection of the X-Men. But after reading 
They've decided to stop buying during the Hellfire Club story, which would have been the Dark Phoenix saga, but but I held on for sentimental reasons and a vague hope that things would get better. During the Dark Phoenix saga story, I again decided to quit, but upon peering what... But upon hearing what the conclusion would be, decided to stick around till Cyclops left. And now I can no longer justify buying the X-Men. Not even to keep my collection complete. Each issue hurts too much. This is some fanboy Twitter rage coming at us in 1980. And the letter is signed, Kurt Busiek. <laughs> Merry Christmas. How'd that work out for him? I wonder, honestly, and you brought this up, I wonder if it gets thrown in his face. Well, it's wonderfully ironic that a writer who's probably taken his own criticism in in his time and been like, fuck, why are people like this? Now, I've never, you know what, I've never actually seen the dude, like, I mean, I follow him on Twitter, and I've never actually seen him respond, like, negatively or anything like that. I've never seen him have any type of blow-ups. I've never heard about him having any type of... No, but everybody has their weak moments, right? Exactly. But here's the thing. If there's ever a single human being on the planet who had the credibility to to pull off a letter like that and be like, yeah, later in life, it's fucking Kurt Busiek. Yeah. I just thought it was pretty awesome. It makes me want to like definitely pay attention to who's See, writing the letters. He should sit down and write another letter now and just say, See, this is what comics should be, assholes. <laughs> Except I completely disagree, and I think that all of it is awesome. All the sex men stuff. I mean, these are my favorite comics in the whole world. It's true. It's funny that, because a lot of people feel exactly like I do. You know, a lot of people my age, the X-Men, were the shit back then. They were the hottest thing going. And just to, to think that there were people out there that, like, that yeah. Dark Phoenix saga... Days of Future Past. Those are like the things that get held up as the greatest comics of the eighties. It as, makes as me far as what Marvel did, you know, not Dark Knight Returns and and uh You just wait till my generation gets to rewrite history. Oh god. You better have a lot of pens because you're gonna have a lot of rewriting to do. No, because the, we'll, we will hail the next issue as the greatest X Men holiday issue of all time. And then I will take a giant shit on it. No! Up next on the Christmas special is Uncanny X-Men number 341 from Christmas of 1996, Alone Against the Power of Gladiator. So this issue, yes it is. <coughs> this issue is written by Scott Lobdell with pencils by Joe Madriera and inks by Tim Townsend. When Strikes a Gladiator. Man, I read this... 
every single Christmas. I've read it every single Christmas since it comes out. I think it is amazing. Gladiator is, I think it's because I hate DC so much that for some reason I am thoroughly attracted to Gladiator. Just because I think it's a big finger to, I've always loved Gladiator, even the Dark Phoenix saga. I just thought it was cool. It's got a fucking purple mohawk. His power is based on that he basically just believes in himself and thinks he's awesome, which is my problem in life. That, I mean, that is... If you were a superhero in the Marvel Universe, you'd probably be glad I probably because would. Because you are powered by your ego. That's true. <laughs> which means I'm never going to die, Jerry. Well, we'll see. Plus, one of my all-time favorite... One of... I've got it hanging up in my, in my comic book room is X-Force number 44. It's the issue where... Cable and Xavier decide to allow Cannibal to graduate to the X-Men. I thought it was great when I was a kid because it showed that there was actual uh, growth. You know? I mean, clearly we're in an age now where, like, they've had Spider-Man make a deal with the devil just to try to de-age him. But when I was growing up, it was like there was a new mutant who graduated and became an X-Man. And not only did he become an X-Man, but Cannibal managed to become, in my belief, one of the very best X-Men and this issue proves it. I think he's going through a little bit of a phase in this issue where he doesn't, you know, there's a lot, a lot happened. Like, he joined the team and right away Onslaught happened. And, and everyone's kind of still reeling from this. So this is the first holiday after the whole Onslaught debacle happened and Xavier's gone. And I think that Gene and Scott, I don't think they've left yet. But I think they're close. I think the original five splits off here pretty soon. I think it's when Steven Siegel and Joe Kelly took over the books. Yeah, we're about nine issues away from this split. Where everybody, cause that's when that Trial of Gambit thing happened, which I don't want to get into. <laughs> so again, it opens up much like X-Men 98. Just like X-Men 98, which is what I almost brought up earlier. But a very familiar looking panel. A slightly different perspective. But again, they are... Not in Times Square. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, a very familiar looking big ass Christmas tree. Huge group of X-Men that have come down downtown. <laughs> that guy, man. <laughs> what the fuck is downtown? <laughs> to, uh, to celebrate Christmas together. So the first thing they do, split, split up. <laughs> Trish Tilby and Hank McCoy take off on their own little romantic date. Very nice. Rogue is a split between two men. She's deciding whether or not she wants to woo Gambit or possibly the clone of Magneto, Joseph. Brosif. <laughs> she chooses wrong. Or right. If Actually, no, I don't think she chooses. Oh, you motherfucker. Well, she goes off with one of them. She goes off with Joseph because clearly he grabs her by the arm and carries her out there. And Gambit just goes and pouts. Yep, he's like, three is a crowd, mon ami. <laughs> <laughs> and so they wind up taking a little horse carriage ride through the park. And then up into the sky. Yep. And I'll just say, Gambit always, when he pulled stuff like that, I was like, he's badass and he doesn't he doesn't let some woman control his emotions. He's like, three's a crowd, Mona me. I'm out of here. But you know, he just went off and cried. Oh. Like a girl. No. Like a soft little girl. Bishop takes off, and Beast and, uh, 
Beast and Trish, I think they offered to let Cannonball uh, hang out with him. Because he'd want to do that. Yeah, but he uh, decides that he's got to go and buy some Christmas presents for all his brothers and sisters. And you know those Guthrie's. There's a lot of them. So they take off. There's a cameo by the Punisher. Cannonball's walking down the street. And you see, you see Frank Castle walk past him. Holy shit, you're right. I missed that. Yeah. Much like in X-Men 98 when there were cameos by Nick Fury, uh-huh. Stan and Jack, uh-huh. Contessa, you get a little Christmas cameo, a little Joe Moderiero Punisher. You know, I'll bet there are others that we missed. Uh, about it. Well, maybe not. Probably not. But there is a... So, uh, Sam meets a really, really hot redhead. Do you have a crush on her? 11-year-old Jerry would have had a serious crush on her. And That's true. 39-year-old Jerry's liking what he's seeing, too. If I ever get Joe Mad in one of my jam pieces, I'm going to have him draw this chick. <laughs> you should. That'll be awesome. <laughs> hey, fuck the X-Men. And I'd know who it was. You draw that girl I'd like. Generation X or Generation X and any of that. Just draw this. You remember that redhead chick? He'll be like, oh, I know the one you're talking about. So Portal opens up, and who busts through that portal but Gladiator. And it's awesome. He's like red hot, too. It's like he flew at warp speed by himself because he's so badass. And he just palms Sam's head. And here is... That's a perfect illustration of my problem with the 90s. They just set aside real human anatomy. Just, we don't need to deal with that. This is all action, man. No, I know. Upon, I mean, again, I love this issue, and there's a huge nostalgia factor for me. Right. But rereading this and the Age of Apocalypse story for the episode with Stegman, I definitely realized how crazily out of proportion everyone is. (laughs) Yeah. Like, seriously, one of Gladiator's fingers is as big as as Sam's face. And... You know, it's an aesthetic, whatever. I guess it's okay. But it's not my cup of tea. And next we're going to be talking about uh, Generation X-ish. X'd. X'd it out. And uh, and Bahalo is much more preferable for me. I've decided... There's a little inside joke here at the offices of Marvel. Oh, I was trying to put together who this might be. I'm, I'm assuming this is Harris, Bob I, Harris. I assume so. Yeah, Bob Harris telling his wife he won't be home for Christmas because Lubdell, well, he calls him Scott and Joe. Haven't finished the next issue yet. We haven't even started the next issue. Yeah. Give the children a kiss goodnight for me. I ain't making it home because of those slackers. <laughs> then you see, in my opinion, one of the greatest fights in this time period of comics. Cannonball versus Gladiator. And it is awesome. The Cannonball I grew up with would never have stood a chance in this fight. I saw this and I laughed. No. I was like, this isn't even going to be close. What did I know? But that's this is what's so great about it, is you saw that progression of Cannonball 
go from the kid who just wanted to prove himself to a dude who actually did. And then almost becomes... I mean, this is just a great moment for him because he uses the momentum of fighting Gladiator. Like, Gladiator's just standing there while Cannonball's going full speed at him. And he's not budging at all. So finally Cannonball just grabs him and pulls him. And it winds up taking him out. There's a scene. We don't need to go scene by scene here. You know here. what would just... have been really awesome is if they had done some kind of callback to this issue in Infinity. When the Avengers go up into space and run into the Shi'ar. And, yeah. And they're, they're like, oh, hey, Gladiator, what's up? And Can- he just kind of like makes eye contact with Cannonball. And he's like, motherfucker. And Cannonball's like, that's right. Yeah. Who's your daddy? <laughs> There was certainly a missed opportunity there. So then he winds up channeling, like, it's something that he does with his powers for the first time, which is he basically channels it completely into himself. There's no, like, blast field. He just basically becomes that, and fucking Gladiator punches him, but it doesn't do anything. Which totally shakes Gladiator's confidence, thus allowing Cannonball to get the fucking final blow in. The rest of the X-Men show up. Gladiator explains that he wasn't trying to start a fight. He just needs the X-Men to help him out because something's taken over. The Shi'ar Galaxy, which is the Phalanx, just so you know. Oh. Uh Uh-oh. And then they get teleported off, but it's just this great cannonball gladiator fight in F.A.O. Schwartz. With a super hot redhead. This was a really fun issue. This is a double-sized one or something, isn't it? Yeah. Either that or it's really heavy pages. It's pretty heavy pages. I think there's 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 some previews for Thunderbolts. Uh, oh, X-Man, yeah. that's why there's a lot of previews in it. So, Uncanny X-Men 341, at Christmas time, you should read that. Especially if your name is Whirlwind Kevin, and you love the Thunderbolts. Maybe a little too much, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy for the Thunderbolts. We're down to our last Christmas special Sean, issue. I can't believe this Christmas has come and gone so fast. I've watched you grow up right in front of me. Oh, we still got time for a secret shame at the end. <laughs> Don't you worry. I've got a doozy. Oh my god. I, let, hurry up. Let's get to it. Alright. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kiss So up next is another one of my all-time favorites because it was right at the perfect time, came out at Christmas time, um, and it is Generation X number four, written by again my favorite Scott Lobdell. If there's anybody who writes a Christmas special equally as good as Chris Claremont, it's Scott Lobdell, with art by Chris. Say the last name for me, Jerry. I'm gonna go with Bahado. I always thought it was Bacello, but whatever. Bacello. 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 Whatever you want to call it. Bacalo. I'm going with Bacello. It says, with inks by Mark Buckingham, hues by the Bruce and his crayons. Like my Ninja Turtle comics. Yeah. You can color them in crayons. Can I just talk for a second about how fucking great Generation X was? 
I mean, I get it. I gotta go back and read the New Mutants, and I'm sure I'll fall in love with it, but this was my New Mutants. Like, this team was so good, and they were brought together not in this way where it was like, oh, let's just create 60 New Mutants at once that you have to fall in love with, which is, I feel, a little bit what what they did with the new X-Men kids. And that's why I had a bit of a hard time, like, getting to know them and like them. These were all brought together kind of one by one during the Phalanx Covenant, and I just thought it was great. And I love in this issue, like, Bocello does, or however Jerry pronounces it, these little, like, borders around it that are, like, Christmassy. There's, like, bells, and there's little elves crawling all over the panels, adding, like, a little side commentary. There's There aren't really any, um... They're kind of narrating the story, as opposed to there being, like, narration boxes. It's these little elves dressed up as, as uh, Santa, kind of going on about it. So the X-Men are trying to the Generation X kids with Banshee are trying to get into town and it, uh, the cops come up and say that the bridge is closed out and they're not going to be able to get through which M alerts Banshee that that's incorrect because she studied the map and there isn't a bridge into that town so clearly something's up. So they decide to go check it out. And it turns out there is a child in a school, his name's Elliot and he has uh, taken a bunch of the other kids and a teacher hostage because all he wants to do is learn, but the school won't allow him to, to take classes there because they fear he's a mutant. And he's disfigured and disformed, and it's very sad, and the teacher fought for him, but they just wouldn't allow it. You know, I'm, it just occurred to me, I was thinking, you know, school hostage situation and all that, and... and uh, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of being Sandy Hook total downer. Sorry about that. Yeah, way to go, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut that part out. I don't know. But the this was 95, right? Mm-hmm. Which was uh, the year that that school shooting in Scotland was. So that was probably pretty fresh in the news when this came out. So I, I wonder if that story was at all motivated by by those events possibly i don't know i don't know but it, it just it's kind of a bummer that like at this point reading this it was a rarity but now i read this and i'm like if if this issue were to come out now it would almost feel like pandering because of recent events but at the time, at the time, this was shocking to me because it was like, I mean, obviously I was much younger at the time and it wasn't, you know, I uh, didn't know anything about the Scotland shooting, but it was still a few years off. We were about four years away from Columbine. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of, bit of a, bit of a bummer. Well, hopefully those assholes didn't read Generation X number I'm four. sure they didn't because, no, because there's no school shooting in this. No. It's a complete misunderstanding. Some lumpy kid. So the uh, the X Men bust out and they try to help, and uh, there's some people talking about how they're about how the kid's a monster. Jubilee managed to uh, sneak into the school, and uh, the X Men are attacked by Nanny and Orphan Maker. Yeah. Which Jerry can go into detail about because I'm still confused by them even though I've read all of these stories. They were just two characters that I never quite got. Uh, they, I like seeing them being used here because I like continuity like that, mm-hmm. but I don't really think they were... I don't have any history with them. 
I mean, they, they were during your Sylvester years, weren't they? Part of the reasons that Jubilee even joined the team. That was after I stopped drinking. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, I know was, that that was after the Reavers and all that shit. I mean, okay. you know, oh, man, I can't. I, Jubilee was not an X Men by the time. I cannot you know. wait to read the Reaver shit again. <laughs> because you loved it. Yeah. Because I like Austin, the connection. Jam. I like the connection of them being the Hellfire Club guards that Wolverine went after in the Dark Phoenix saga. Like I love that. Yeah, yeah. You were just talking about that. I thought that was awesome too. Yeah, we were talking about that with Rob. On Cole, Twitter, right? Malcolm, and Reese. And uh, yeah, yeah, that blew my mind, man. When they brought those guys back, I was like, no fucking. Hell. They were cyborgs, and because I was reread, what reminded me of it is um. One of the other Christmas stories that we didn't talk about that's just kind of, a, it's not really a Christmas issue, but um, the Dark Angel Saga by Rick Remender. I read it at Christmas time when it was coming out in the issues, and I remember reading the final issue of the Dark Angel Saga, like, underneath my Christmas tree. And uh, and so, rereading that, there's an issue where they talk about the Reavers, and I was just like, man, those guys, like, that was a fucking test for the X-Men. Anyways, we're getting off topic. It's not Christmassy enough. <laughs> so basically, the X-Men wind up, the Generation X kids wind up fighting Orphan Maker and Nanny. They wind up driving them off. But during the, while this is all going on outside, the teacher that was trying to let Elliot into the school had a heart attack and died. And basically, like, it's just, it kind of hits you with this whole, like, no matter how hard they fight or how hard they try, like these, this is like the Generation X kids' first experience with understanding what it is to be an X Men. Where like, no matter how difficult the struggle is and how hard you fight, you're probably still not going to be accepted. Like you might not, like Jubilee might not ever see mutants be accepted in her lifetime, and she's fighting for another generation <coughs> to eventually not have to deal with that. And the real, like, kick in the nuts at the end of the issue is that Sink tries to match up with the kid's powers. And he can't do it because it turns out that the kid is just deformed. He was just born that way, and he's not a mutant. But he was, unfortunately, labeled one by these people and treated differently. So it's kind of a... kind of a bu- issue in that regard. But I remember as a kid this being one of those things that really struck me as like like this was the island of misfit toys for me like this was that Rudolph special where I'm like I've gotta be better with people and like not get sucked into like grade school bullshit and picking on people which I pick on Jerry all the time so clearly I didn't learn my fucking lesson that's separate (laughs) it doesn't because we're friends because we're friends but it definitely, like, struck me with this whole, like, not judging... You have no idea what's going on in somebody's life or what's happening. And, you know, you could definitely be the uh, positive influence or, you know, even wishing somebody a happy holidays could change their perspective. Maybe you're the only person that does that. They're having a really shitty holiday season. So, I love that issue. I can think of one other reason that you'd probably really, really, really love this Fucking issue. Banshee? Banshee. But not Banshee. The last page of this issue 
ushers in the Age of Apocalypse true. for this title. And they kind of do it in a joking way with Jubilee. Just saying, that's that's the end of the issue. Nothing else is going on. We'll be here next month. And and then and then you just see Crystal grow over, surround her, and eventually close her off so that you can't see her anymore. And there's a frog in a Santa hat holding yep. a sign that says "Closed for Renovations." And it leads up to Generation Next, which was one of the strongest titles of the Age of Apocalypse. If you ever want to check it out, absolutely agree. It's really good. Uh, yeah, his art is uh, sometimes really dark and murky and difficult to discern what's going on. But when he finds the right balance, I don't think anybody does it better than him in the industry. I miss this style of Bacello. I really liked, like, the skinny Sandman-esque, like, that era of his artwork. I mean, I still love his artwork, and I'm always happy to see him on a book. But everybody's a lot, like, squattier, you know? Uh-huh. And I And I miss, like, lean characters being lean. He just had, like, a, a, a different style back then, which I think I... I like both styles, but I think the nostalgia factor kicks in in my head with that original Gen X art. I really liked. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw Ramos doing a Spider-Man title. I was like, what the fuck? This guy is ripping him off so bad. I can't even remember. I that against him, but now I think they're different enough that I'm over that. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't notice it. <laughs> I think it was on that Venom book in 2003 or whenever that came out. Okay. That was the first time I noticed him. Hmm. And I asked Austin about it. And he explained. Yeah? Because Austin was my uh, gateway back into comics. I, I took... I had two baby steps. First was a trip to Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. Nice. And uh, and Walt Flanagan sold me the first image issue of the Micronauts. I heard they were coming back. Or maybe I hadn't heard. Maybe I just saw it on the rack. And I was like, well, what the fuck is that? But I think I heard they were coming back. Yeah. So I bought that. And then, and then Austin... Just kept handing me graphic novels when we were shelving books at Borders. And he was like, you should read this one. You should read this one. That's awesome. Next thing you know. If only it had been at Christmas time, you'd have another Christmas story. Yeah. It may well have been. Nice. We were both holiday hires, so it's possible. Oh. See? Yeah. So there's your Christmas miracle. The Christmas miracle is that Austin, at Christmas time, got Jerry back into comics. That's right. That's right. So that's a big thank you to Austin. As much as I love this podcast, a lot of my favorite comic memories involve Austin Shoot. And not just because we make paper action figures together. Is there a website for that you want to plug? Do I want to plug a website? You can go see Austin's paper action figures at his Jerko Facebook page. Jerko being Austin Jerry Company. Nice. Yeah. So up next, after this wonderful musical interlude, Secret Chains.
So, every year, I don't give a fuck how old I am, one night a year, when I'm home by myself, I will bust out all of my fucking old X-Men and Avengers action figures, and I will have them go to war by my Christmas tree. (laughs) I'll do it when I'm fucking 60. I will do it right before I die. I don't care. It's awesome. I think that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Is that that nothing... Is that I nothing mean, to be shameful of? No, uh, in our circles, I don't think so. But you know, the rest, our families and normal people, maybe the norms, they might think it's weird. Just the idea that somebody would think of themselves thirty years from now and that they they expect to still be into the same shit and the same with the same passion. You know, like you you had the same passion twenty years ago. I probably have the same passion 30 years from now. I don't know that there's much in my life that I have that kind of passion for. I think it's because, like, my Christmases are so different because of my parents being gone that, like, I... It's, like, the one thing that I can hold on to that's still normal. Or, like, not normal because I don't... I mean, I'm sure it's not normal. I'm sure if I were to, like, talk to someone, they'd be like... If I were to talk to the people over at Comics Therapy, they'd be like, you're fucked. (laughs) I would, uh... So I think it keeps me, like, connected to being a youngster. Because it's too um, easy to get fucking wrapped up in, like, the, I gotta rush around and buy stuff, and, oh, it's cold outside. And when I was a kid, man, I could stay outside all fucking day and build, like, an igloo and take all my toys outside and build a snow fort and fucking have Sentinels demolish Iceman's ice statues that I would build. And I don't, like... Why would you ever want to lose that? I, yeah, I feel like... So I can trade that in for, like, rushing around to get to my job and, like, <laughs> buy a bunch of crap that nobody actually needs? I see that with my kids now. Like, we, we got home today from picking up the kids from school and, you know, just walking from the car to the house, I froze my ass off. Right? All I wanted to do was get the keys in the lock as fast as I could and go inside and my daughter was just like, can I just shovel the driveway? <laughs> you know, there's like a half of inch of snow or whatever. And she just, just like, this, the cold didn't bother her at all. She didn't want to wear gloves or a hat or whatever. And she's like, can I just shovel? You know, it's like the perception of cold is completely yeah. different as a kid. It's why I still ride my bike in the wintertime. Like some of the, the other day when it snowed, it was all slick as shit out here. I could tell that like everyone in my neighborhood was just like, what is wrong with that idiot? I thought I was riding my bike around. And I'm like, but I don't want to lose that. Cause I feel like the second that you, like think about how fat, like I'm 32 years old, man. I got what? If I'm super fucking lucky, I've got like 50, 60 Christmases left, right? Those are going to go by so fucking fast. Yeah. It's true. You know what I feel That's like? That's not shameful right at all. I don't give a fuck. I'm not ashamed of that. I love those fucking toys. <laughs> it's fine. You ever see that movie Hook? Yeah, I watched it a couple weeks ago. I feel like Robin Williams at the start of Hook. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Like, you're Robin Williams at the end of Hook. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Robin Williams at the start of Hook, where not only have I forgotten 
what it was like to be a kid. Bangarang, Jerry. Yeah. Bangarang. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Like, I can't even imagine. Ugh. I want that feeling again. I know for a fact that somewhere underneath that tree, because I had to basically tell her to pick it out, Ash, there is a nightcrawler. He's got presents under his tree already. There are, there are Marvel Lego sets somewhere under there, and there is a Marvel Select nightcrawler somewhere Ooh. under there, which I am pumped up about. You should not be allowed to open that nightcrawler until nightcrawler is officially back. That's true. No, I'm going to open it on Christmas. <laughs> That's true. Don't fuck that. <laughs> I found a sweet DeLorean Lego set, so I think I'm going to get her for Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. This is pretty cool. How many gigawatts does it have? A lot? A lot. That's cool. So. So we were talking... I mean, we've been talking for the last two hours here now, but uh, we were discussing uh, how much we enjoy doing this podcast and how lucky we are to, after only five episodes having been released, to have such a loyal following already. Um, We just thought that we could try to quickly say thank you. It's Christmas time so we wanted everyone, in the spirit of Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays, we wanted everyone to know that we were thankful for their friendship and checking out our dumb podcast and sticking with it and for uh, dealing with mine and Jerry's Twitter banter. Yeah. Yeah. We thank all of you. And we hope that all of you have a wonderful and happy holidays and that it doesn't end up like every single one of these X-Men issues with someone dying. And I leave you with this advice. Please, do not go into the woods to cut down a Christmas tree. The Nugari demon will get you. So, happy Christmas if you're British. Merry Christmas if you're American. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Goodbye. No, I don't want it to end. I don't want it to end. There's too much goodwill and cheer. I don't want to go. I know. But I've already drunk up all my cocoa and you gotta pick your girl up. I do. You're gonna be late. Nah. She hasn't tested yet.
having a real hard time loading this song by Andrea. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) The microphone picked that up? (laughs) Doesn't pick up frequencies that low. 